Hello, and welcome to this edition of Industry Focus Security. Thank you for joining us. I'm pleased today to welcome Robert Leverone, president of CrowdOperationsDynamics.com, who specializes in crowd control and crowd movement and things like that. Bob, thank you for uh, joining us on the show today. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. I'm uh, privileged to be here and really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, what got you interested in this area of security, which is sort of a, a really a specialized sort of area um, within security itself? And it's obviously an important one. So can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, sure. It is. It is quite a specialized area of security. Uh, I got my start with this um, as a member of the Massachusetts State Police, where I worked for 31 years. And uh for uh, 20 of those years, I was a member of what was called the Special Emergency Response Team. And uh, I was, in fact, one of the original uh, members. I, I was the original uh, executive officer as a sergeant. And one of the many things that we did was uh, with crowd control and crowd management, as well as training other agencies in, in these skills as well. Uh, the last 11 years that I spent on the state police, I was actually the commander of the unit uh, as a lieutenant. Uh, we responded to a lot of different stuff um, in the area, lots of protests, celebrations for sporting events, um, and so forth. We, we even got involved in very heavily in the uh, Democratic Convention in Boston in 2004 and the Republican Convention in Cleveland uh, in 2016. I uh, played a big part in planning uh, our response uh, and training um, our, our troops uh, to respond to those uh, particular events as well. Uh, after the state police, uh, I moved on uh, to uh, do some teaching at a local college where I taught in the criminal justice uh, curriculum, uh, teaching leadership to uh, future police officers. Uh, and then um, 2020 happened and the riots across the country really got my attention. And I was watching the TV and just watching some of the things that these police agencies were doing like launching tear gas into the wind and having it come back on them and they're not wearing gas masks. And I said, this is, this is not right. I need to get back into this because uh, I've got, um, you know, a body of knowledge that I could be able to apply and, and hopefully help other agencies out. So what I did was um, I, I started this company, Crowd Operations Dynamics, to help consult and train law enforcement agencies in, um, in their responses and planning to, uh, to crowd events. Uh, also, I got involved a few years ago with the National Institute for Justice in trying to establish um, protection standards for the PPE that officers wear at crowd control situations. I was invited to join the team of subject matter experts from across the country, uh, from large agencies to small agencies, federal, state, local, municipal, you, you name it, we were all there. Uh, we even had uh, participants from, uh, from England and Germany uh, involved as well. They're light years ahead of us right now in, in standards for protection. So, of course, COVID got in the way a little bit there, but our standards are starting to slowly come out. Um, and hopefully that uh, that'll be uh, the standards that all the manufacturers are going to be following uh, going forward. Uh, out of that came um, an effort to establish some kind of standards for response to these things. And we're working with the NTOA on establishing a uh, manual of suggested uh, standards that agencies would follow. Um, when responding to a crowd event. So uh, I would invite people to check out my, uh, my LinkedIn uh, online to see a, a full uh, bevy of, uh, of all the qualifications um, and certifications that I have. Excellent. 
So before the show, we talked a little bit about some different areas of crowd control. And we talked about sort of what is the difference between crowd control, crowd management, and then the science of crowd dynamics. Now, can you help me out a little bit with that and explain sort of how they all play together and what they mean to one another? Sure. I'll, I'll, in the interest of time, I'll be real brief about it. You know, crowd control is opposed to crowd management. Sometimes the words are used interchangeably, but they are two different things. Crowd control is where you're actually you're using kinetic activity, you're using uh, team tactics to actually control the behavior uh, of a crowd. You're trying to move the crowd. You're trying to disperse a crowd. You're, you're trying to uh, actually um, have an effect on the way that they are behaving. As, as opposed to crowd management, where what you're doing is being much more uh, of a facilitator. You're facilitating them having a good time at the football game or the concert. You're facilitating them having uh, the opportunity to express their views uh, you know, under the First Amendment rights that they have. You could do that by a number of different ways, everything from you know, ticketing to assigned seating to uh, controlling access uh, and, and, uh, and exits from an area. And oftentimes it's not even a, a police function. Uh, you look at some place like uh, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. They have their own internal security people that handle most of the crowd management. And it's only when things get unruly, either uh, as a group or as individuals, is when, when police would actually get involved. Now, you mentioned crowd dynamics. Crowd dynamics is the study of... Um, of, of, of crowd behavior, those psychological uh, aspects of a crowd, what makes a crowd do what they do. And in, in recent years, the, the Police Executive Research Forum, or PERF, and the uh, International Association of Chiefs of Police, the IACP, have really begun to recognize the importance uh, and the value of crowd dynamics and, and, apply, and how you can apply um, those theories of crowd behavior to a crowd to better inform your decision making and your response to a crowd event. And I would just add that uh, you know, the Brits and the Germans and other um, European countries are, are way ahead of us on this. We've kind of uh, piggybacked off of their ideas. And, and now we're starting to see it being employed more and more across the United States by law enforcement agencies. And that's a good thing, being able to understand why crowds are doing what they do. And that gives you a better idea of how you can handle them. Excellent. So we know that for the most part, people are compliant. So when you're dealing with, you know, crowds, how do you best communicate sort of, you know, set expectations for what you want them to do? Uh, but we also know with that, there's two other types of people that you're going to be dealing with. You're going to be dealing with, I'll just politely call them the uninformed. So they wander into an area or try to take a shortcut or something like that you know, in order to get where they want to go or, you know, see what they want to see. And then there are the bad actors. So how do you respond either as a public safety safety agency or as, you know, if you're a private entity, say a stadium or something like that, in responding to them and being able to determine if they're just uninformed or they're actually a threat? I mean, how do you manage that? And is it really just about communicating you know, as clearly as possible, you know, because it, you don't know which way it's going to go when you encounter them. Right. Well, communications is probably about 90 percent of, of everything that you just mentioned there. It's, it's vitally important, especially for police organizations. And I'll say for uh, for private industry as well, to start 
messaging well ahead of time. If you know there's an event coming up, start messaging well ahead of time and setting those expectations uh, in people's minds. Uh, and, you know, really in, 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 the, in the policing world, it starts well before that just by, you know, fair and equitable policing all the time, communicating, being transparent uh, with the community. But when you know something's coming up, be it in law enforcement or private industry, start communicating well ahead of time and establishing a narrative that, uh, especially in the policing world, that you're there to protect people's rights. You're there to be able to facilitate them being able to have a good time at that football game or that, that other public event. And what you're doing there is getting ahead of any narrative, especially if it's going to be a protest where the police might be the, the, the object of the protest. You get ahead of those negative narratives that can be spun up online about, uh, about policing. So ahead of time, via multiple uh, sources online, even um, written, uh, radio, even variable message boards, whatever it takes. Then during the event, same thing, continue two-way communications with folks. It shouldn't be one way. It should be two ways. What are your expectations of them? What are their expectations of you? And if you come to loggerheads at something, it's best that you have that communication going on that you can try to work things out. And then once the event is done, after the fact as well, hey, you've just established some bridges, right? Why not maintain those bridges going forward? Because you're probably going to end up seeing these same people ahead uh, in, in the future sometimes. So why not continue to establish those two-way relationships with people and, and be able to have those uh, types of uh, dialogue, which can keep a lid on things. The new Massachusetts uh, laws with respect to uh, policing, um, you know, police reform, it now states you shall, not you might, you could, you shall attempt to establish communications with um, demonstration organizers, and you shall have an officer assigned specifically for that duty. So uh, the onus is now on, on policing to at least uh, attempt to make uh, contact with people and, and establish some of those parameters and try to keep uh, things uh, de-escalated so that they don't get out of control. Excellent. So those I, I understand those strategies and that works well for events that are planned that you, you know, know are coming or events on private property where you're going to have, you know, private security that's handling it. We live in an age of instant communication where you can have flash mobs or protests, you know, not all of them are violent or have violent intentions, but you can very quickly end up with a large mass of people you know, that are communicating electronically to gather in one specific location. How do you deal with that? You know, the unforeseen event. Those are really challenging for um, for policing and, and even uh, private security. The best thing to do is, is to have um, pre-plans ahead of time that cover those major muscle movements of, of how you're going to respond. You know, what are your routes of uh, ingress going to be? Uh, how are you going to get there if something happens? Who are you going to call? Who, who are going to be the agencies uh, that you're going to call to come in and help you? Uh, what are the medical facilities you're going to use? What communications are you going to use? Having these pre-plans done ahead of time, again, covering those major muscle movements, will be a great help for you when you have these uh, spontaneous types of events. And getting back to the idea of communications, when these things do pop up, being able to communicate to people uh, that are there who may not be involved in the, the mob itself, 
uh, is goes a, a, a long way in reassuring people that, uh, you know, this is contained in a particular area and you're working as police or security to uh, to keep a lid on things. And this is what you might have to do. Uh, these are areas you may need to avoid. So pre-planning and communications, I think, are going to go a long way in, in helping uh, law enforcement or security deal with these types of events. Now, how do you balance the the rights of people in their free speech you know we know that out in public you know it, it's it's a little bit different than when they come on to say a private company's property you know whose responsibility is it at that point to manage that crowd you know out in the street i i assume it's public safety but if they're you know you've got essentially trespassers that are coming on to an organization's you know premises or something like that how do you deal with that? Or is it on the company to deal with that? Well, um, in a public area, a sidewalk, a street, um, you have your First Amendment rights. You can express your views as much as you want, as long as you're not being disruptive or, or, or violent. You're not blocking the street or you're not engaging in some other kind of riotous types of behavior. You have that right. You're, you're in a public place. The Constitution gives you that right. Move that on to private property, and if if you're engaging in activities that the uh, that the the property owner or the caretaker um, don't want to happen there, they can declare you as a trespasser if you refuse to use after being warned to do so. And then that's when uh, you know the police would come in. Uh, I, I hearken back to Gillette Stadium uh, again, where you mostly have. Uh, private security within the stadium and out in the parking lots as well. They handle the majority. Uh, of issues that go on there. But when things uh, become unruly, that is when they're going to be calling in uh, the police to come in and, and assist them. So there's really a relationship there that's, um, that, that, needs to be, um, that needs to be fostered and that needs to be understood uh, by, uh, by both sides that this is when we get to step in or this is when we need to step back and let the other side you know, deal with it. And I would think if if you are a pro, you're a part of a security team for a private organization, and you know you get wind that something might be happening, you know obviously communication with your local public safety partners is going to be key, you know, in terms of you know giving them advance warning and then you know communicating with them during the event to to try to you know control as best you can you know what's going on. Um, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me today. One of the things that I like to wrap up each discussion with is sort of a, uh, an opportunity for somebody to further their knowledge. So is there a, a book, a reference, something that you would recommend to people that want to learn more about this topic or someplace they should go uh, in order to better prepare or help prepare an SOP or something like that for their own organization, whether they're a public organization, you know, public safety or a private organization? Sure. There are uh, a number of resources out there available, especially online. Uh, the International Association of Chiefs of Police and the public and the Police Executive Research Forum have numerous um, documents and uh, articles out there with respect to uh, model policies, how to respond to crowd events. Uh, there's a lot of information out there relative to crowd dynamics as well. There's really no shortage of information out there on both the private and, uh, and the, uh, the public safety side. So I would encourage people uh, to look those things up, uh, to become familiar with, uh, especially with things like crowd dynamics. I think that's really, really going to become more and more important as we move forward 
uh, in, in dealing with crowds. Excellent. Thank you so much for your insight and your knowledge, Bob. Uh, Bob Leverone, president of Crowd Operation Dynamics Incorporated. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show here today, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. That concludes this episode of Industry Focused Security. I want to thank you for joining us and stay tuned and please share this podcast and these links with your friends in the security profession uh, so that we can spread knowledge amongst all of us. Thank you. Take care. Be safe.